0: In the beauty of his love. One of the names God gave for himself was Jehovah. And one of its meanings is that he holds all time inside of himself. And so whatever he holds inside of himself is important to him. And so time is important to him. We just finished the Jewish month of Savan. And we start at sundown tonight, Tammas And it's okay if that doesn't mean anything to you. But let me tell you what was happening in these days. These were the days when the Israelites were making the golden calf. These are the days when Moses throws down the tablets. These are the days when the 12 spies were in the promised land. And they were trying to decide, which way shall I go? Golden calf? God? Yes to the promised land? No to the promised land? Tammuz III, which is this Thursday, is the day even astronomers have confirmed when Joshua commanded the sun to stand still, and there was no night. This is a season on God's calendar of invitation to let go of what's been and to arise in not just a new place, but to be a new person in him. This time, the early church wasn't even four weeks old yet. They were still a little baby. A little baby. In December, God gave a prophecy, and he said, In the first quarter, I will release fresh revelations of who I am and who you are. In the second quarter, you will transition by integrating and incarnating that. And by the time you get to the third quarter, which starts July 1st, I will lift you into realms of love that you have never known before. And you will love others in realms you've never experienced before. So tonight we come on the timeline of God with kind of like one foot up in the air ready to step into the third quarter, July 1st, but not quite. We're in between. We're in the place of transition. So we want to know, what do you do when you're in a place of transition? Well, we do what we always do. We follow Jesus. Jesus' transition from being in the throne room, being there at creation, speaking universes and solar systems into being, and being power, unlimited and uncapped, and skinnying himself up into an embryo. And in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so everyone went to the place of the root of their family. So Joseph, being of the house of David, of Ruth and Boaz, he went to Bethlehem. He went to his family root. But there was no family member to welcome them. Joseph was in a new place in his life. There was no family member who opened the door. No stranger opened the door. And he realized there's no favor on the old paradigms anymore. And so God used a stranger to give him a marvelous place to stay in a stable. It was a beautiful, quiet place it was a safe place from the crowds and it was a place prophetic that that son was going to feed all creation and it was in that new place with no one familiar around him that the angels visited it was in that new place that new god ordained relationship showed up at his door with kings, with wealth, and shepherds. And in this new place, surrounded by people who were also chasing the new thing God was doing, they began to awaken to who their son really was. It was a transition for Mary and Joseph at age 12. It had said that Jesus had always submitted and obeyed his parents, but he was in the temple, and they're going, where were you? We couldn't find you. And Jesus says, in a spirit of transition, didn't you know? In essence, did you not discern? Did you not discern that I'm in a new place and Now I'm about my father. And it's true of many of us on the journey. As a child, he slipped away from his family and crowd without noticing so that he could be where the father wanted him to be. And that gifting saved his life many times. When they wanted to throw him off the cliff in Nazareth, when they wanted to stone him, he just slipped through the crowd, and then he stands. He stands in line with all the sinners to be baptized by John the Baptist. It's time for another shift, another transition for him. But no one knows who he is, so he's in the line with the sinners. Everybody thinks he's a sinner, which is okay with him. And he says to John, John, it's time for you and me together to fulfill righteousness. And he transitioned, and John said, that's the Lamb of God. And then he went off to the Mount of Temptation to embrace temptation because he knew all sinners would know temptation. He moves through his ministry with such a grace. And he's continually one foot out of the old and one foot in the new. John's disciples start following him and he turns to them and says, "What do you want? Whom do you seek?" And they said, "We want to know where you live." And in the Jewish, that meant literally, I want to live with you. I want to do life with you. I don't want to be separated from you. It wasn't, can I spend a night at your house? And so he transitioned again and leaves his privacy behind and says, yes, 24-7, come be with me. He's at the wedding in Cana, and Mary has not transitioned yet. She's not caught that her son has stepped into the next realm. And she says, they're running out of wine. You need to do something. Do whatever he tells you. And he says, woman, my time has not come. And so now he straddles. He wants to honor his mother because he has compassion. She has not caught what season it is in the spirit. It is not his time to be revealed. So he turns the water into wine without revealing himself. He takes an earthen vessel, prophetic of you and me, fills it with water, prophetic of the Holy Spirit. When it's poured out, it's the wine, prophetic of the anointing and glory that flows out of you. So he kept his new place of, it's not time to reveal myself. He honored his mom, but he revealed you. His first miracle was revealing you, that you will be this beautiful vessel. And you will be at the marriage feast. He moved through his life with an ease, gliding with the Holy Spirit and shifting from season to season to season. And then he comes in the upper room. He washes their feet. He dismisses Judas, and then the season shifts. With Judas gone, Now he pulls back the veil and reveals the fullness of his heart as he prays John 17. He kept the prayer hidden, not to put his pearls before swine. When the moment was right and Judas was gone, he swings wide his deepest heart's desires and passions and invites us all into his heart. He's in Gethsemane, transitioning. The soldiers come, and he says, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, I am he. And all of them crumble, because he's still the son of God, but he's transitioning. And the second time, he says, whom do you seek? He displays no power and like a helpless man, extends his arms to be bound. He's crucified. He transitions again in the tomb. He transitions again when he's resurrected. And he's in between. In John 20, when he's resurrected, and he walks through the door. But then all of a sudden, he's solid, and they can touch and feel him, and he can eat. He's like in between earth and heaven. and He's transitioning. No two of his transitions were ever alike. So there are no rules. There are no steps. He just leaned into the Holy Spirit. This is your time to transition, dear ones. And it looks different for everyone. But the invitation is real. The invitation is passionate. I am the God of time. This is the time when I transitioned a small group in the upper room to be the foundation for the church for thousands of years until I returned Step into this season. This is what's in the atmosphere. The atmosphere has not changed. He's a God of his calendar. And he loves you. He loves you. He, he doesn't want you to be behind when there's new wine, new food, new banquet new revelations and new power. I want to read one verse to you, if I may. You're familiar with it, but I think it's much fatter than we've ever dreamed. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. As I read it, I'm going to elaborate on the Greek because I want you to see it the way it was said. Now the Lord is the Spirit. He is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that freedom is a freedom to omit all that is not of salvation and a freedom to receive all that is salvation. It's very specific. So you have the spirit of the Lord in you. And he's there to give freedom that you may omit out of you all that is not the fullness of salvation, and you receive all that is the fullness. It is the Spirit of the Lord who does that. And we all, with open face or unveiled face, That means each one of us pull back the veil about who I really am in the moment and everything in me. No veils. Here I am, God. Beholding. Beholding is a word of awe and wonder. Behold. And depending on your translation, and the Greek is beholding in the mirror, in the glass the glory of the Lord. Now that's the biggest part that some translations leave out. It is the image of look in the mirror. Behold yourself. With unveiled face, look in the mirror at yourself and go, what? Behold. The glory of God is on me. The image is the more you can look in the mirror and behold the glory in yourself. You are in such oneness with the spirit that he begins moving you out of there into here and then into glory and into glory. There are times and seasons When he does lead to do the healing journey and he shows us the roots of things and things we need to process, necessary, necessary, necessary. But we are in a season where he's saying, I want to carry you myself like a baby lamb on my shoulders into a realm of receiving love you've never known before. I want you to look in the mirror at yourself and by the spirit of the Lord in you see behold I I have glory until that becomes your new identity Whew, I'm a carrier There's a um, a French Jewish priest Raoul Pluce and he was born in the late 1800s and he said this and it just undoes me. He said Christ was so committed to us living the supernatural life. Pause In this generation, when you say supernatural, they think of signs, wonders, and miracles. Okay? That's not what Pluse was talking about. He wasn't talking about, yep, go prophesy, go heal. That's part of it. But in the late 1800s and on into the 1900s when he wrote, to say Jesus was so intent upon you receiving the supernatural life that you have his character that you supernaturally have the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the patience of Christ in you. You so have that new creation where you go, I'm not like I've been all my life. My personality is different. My character is different. My realm of revelation is different. My realm of love for him and everyone. He said, He was so intent on you having this supernatural life where you're so love, And out of that love, all the signs and gifts flow. You are so drenched in that love that Jesus chose to annihilate his entire self. Maybe that doesn't hit you, but there's something about it that just undoes me. He annihilated all of his rights in heaven. He annihilated all his power and authority and surrendered to be arrested. He annihilated everything about himself so that there was room for him to gather in all the sin and all the sickness and all the curses. He had to make room. And so he annihilated his own self to take in all this that we have so that we could become children and just receive a supernatural life. For some reason lately, I just keep telling Jesus, Jesus, I love your fluidity. You undo me with your fluidity. I meet with people, I'm real graced and blessed to do that, and involved in a lot of situations, and to see the magnificent, expansive Christ skinny himself up, and he will skinny himself up to flow wherever anybody will give him an opening. The fluidity of you, Jesus, me as I watch him love this one and this one and myself and this one and this one and he says I'll take any form I'll release any message I'll say it however they need it I'll do it just a little bit so they don't get scared I'll flood them I'll, I'll skinny myself up and I'll be fluid to whatever each person needs and the humility of Christ is just love He just loves loves you. And we on this planet Earth, there's not a one of us that's even scratched a thimbleful of the fullness of the life he purchased for us. Not a bit. But it's there. And there are certain prophetic seasons on the sovereign calendar of God when he says, literally, can I put you on my shoulders and just carry you to the next place? If you'll let go of all, I'm a this, I'm a that in the kingdom, I know this or this, if you'll let go of everything and say, you decide, what in me I hold on to, but I'm letting go of everything, even everything I've experienced in the spirit. I'm letting it go because I want to be drawn up to where you are. He is the eternal now. He is ever-present, and he never does the same thing twice. And so he has a whole new realm of how he wants to move in us and through us and in this world that we've never seen before. He is not redoing the old. He's not legalistic. He doesn't have to go back to an old well. He is the well. He's not going to meet you the way he did in the past. He loves you too much. You'll get so comfortable in that you'll eventually develop a theology of, well, this is the way you hear God's voice. And he loves you too much. He goes, no, I, w- I want to know you. And I want you to know me. And I want to pick you up and carry you out of all your difficulty in receiving, all your serving, all your residue of whatever whatever i want to just pick you up like a shepherd carries a baby lamb and i'm going to take you to this higher place on the mountain of worshiping me where you will see realms of me you have never dreamed of brenda texted me today and said do you have anything for the communion table And I said, the only thing that comes to me is this. It's a seamless garment. And recently, Jesus said, do you want to know what the seamless garment meant? And I'd, I'd love to, Father. I'd love to, Jesus. He said the seamless garment was... My soul and spirit was one. I had no division. I was seamless inside. I was seamless with the Father and seamless with others. He said, Susan, that's my dream for everyone who believes in me. Not a division between your soul and your personality and your spirit. He said, I I want them to be seamless. This is the next place for my body. Can you believe for that depth of healing and letting go so that you're united inside? You're one in here. No more tug-of-war's inside. Here or here. I annihilated myself that you would know this supernatural life where your spirit and soul can become one and the realm of love and revelation and presence that flows out of you is just beyond. And, well, John understood it. He said, you know, above all things, I pray that you will prosper and have divine health according to soul prosperity. And it's the picture, the more your soul prospers, which means the more your soul is healed and becomes one with the spirit in you, divine health begins filling the cells of your body. And prosperity in every realm of the kingdom becomes yours. Whether it's mercy, wisdom, selflessness, whatever, it comes. This is not a place, my friends, that you can pray yourself into, fast yourself into, study yourself into, cry out to God. No. This is a place that's a gift. It's simply a gift for any who will say, you can carry me, Jesus. You can supernaturally, miraculously carry me out of whatever and lift me into a higher realm of your love tonight and in this season. I give you my heart and say, Carry me, love. I recently heard a dear sister who's impacted my life express it this way Why am I a believer? It's Him. Through all the difficulties, why do I still stand? It's Him. It's Him. Why don't I back away from him? Because I can't live without him. Dear ones, it's very simple. It's him. It's not all the stuff from the past, the future, the present, the worries, the issues, all the things that can swirl around us. They are not relevant. Do not be deceived. It's him. And that's all that matters. And we don't even know how to receive and love him unless he helps us. But if you will let him have your heart full on tonight saying, I'll let go of anything and everything. Carry me to that new place of love in you. And then obey scripture. Look in the mirror. (laughs) Wow. Behold, be in awe. Like, I can't believe it. The glory of God is in me. The glory of God's in me. Oh behold how great a God it's him. And the image in the Greek is the more I do that it incarnates in me and becomes my identity with not I got the glory of God in me. It's like no, it's with a oh, behold <laughs> awe and wonder the glory of the most high God. We've almost made the glory too familiar in this church age. It's an awesome, don't touch, awesome presence and intimacy inside of you. So, we're going to take communion and then... We're going to worship so that you can respond to his invitation tonight to simply put you on his shoulders and take you to the next realm. You know that we work with the persecuted church a lot, and they pray for us a lot. So I want to invite you to please stand in honor of the persecuted church, in honor of the Christ, And they are agreeing that you will say yes tonight. They're praying for us tonight. Because some of them have stepped up to this place. And I give testimony. There's no comparison. No comparison I've ever known in my life. And it's nothing but his grace. If you're new. Many years ago, someone had just gotten out of prison in Laos and was. We had a meeting for the underground church in the middle of the night, and he shared that when they're in jail, this is how they do communion on Sunday mornings. The leader knocks three times, the believers knock back, so he knows if he's the only believer in jail or not. And then they take the bread. In the cup, okay. Father, we bless we eat your flesh and drink your blood, and we surrender, gather us up, and at your will, carry us to a higher place, carry us to a higher place.